Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on June 12, 2022, on the basis of Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. One of my uh, favorite movies uh, growing up was a movie called The Pistol, Birth of a Legend. I wouldn't be surprised if, if none of you heard of it. Uh, it, it maybe kind of sounds like a, a Western movie, uh, but actually it's a basketball movie about a very accomplished and talented player uh, named Pete Maravich. Uh, he he had, went on to set records in, in high school and college and professional basketball, and this, this movie uh, covers him when he, when he was a, a, a kid. He got the name The Pistol uh, because he had a really quick release on his shot. So people thought that he, he shot from the hip like a pistol-toting westerner. That's kind of how he got his, his nickname that stuck with him. Uh, anyways, there, there's a, a scene in, in this movie where his dad, who, who is one of his, one of his coaches um, throughout his, his career, um, his, his dad has the, the team gathered around him. And he, he holds up a basketball, and he, he, has, a, he has like a, a Sharpie in his hand. And he draws a, just kind of a, a small little circle on the basketball. And he says to, says to the team, this is how much I know about the game of basketball. But everything outside of this circle is what's left to be discovered about the game of basketball. What he's trying to, to kind of explain to his, his team is that even if they think that they know everything, that they got the game down, they, they think they've, they've got their minds wrapped around how this, how this all works, that there is still way more to learn and way more to discover. And he's trying to encourage them to, to keep learning and keep dedicating themselves uh, to the game so that they can keep expanding their knowledge and expanding their game that way. And, and then he lovingly looks at the team and, draw, and just makes a little dot on the basketball and he says, that's how much you know about the game of basketball. <laughs> that dot would need to be a lot smaller and that basketball a lot bigger to, to make the same comparison in what we, we know about God. And, and that's, that's true about a, a lot of things, um, but especially in terms of what we are talking about uh, today, the, the, the Trinity, the doctrine of, of the Trinity. For, for many centuries, people have looked into um, the Trinity studied it, pondered it, and if, if they were completely honest after studying that, they would realize how much they didn't know about God and how far God is above us and how beyond our understanding he is. But, but there have been some uh, that, that have thought they had their mind wrapped around, okay, I think I know what the, I think I know what the Trinity is. I think I know how to, to explain it. Uh, and so people over the course of many years have, have used, tried to use different analogies and said, you know, the, the Trinity, the triune God is, is kind of like this. Yet because the, the triune God is so far above our understanding, these, these analogies have all sort of, have all sort of failed. Let, let me give you three examples. Uh, one of them uh, uses water as kind of the example of, of the Trinity. Because we find water in three states, right? Solid, liquid, and, and gas. So it's the same substance, but we see it in, in three different modes, right? So, so this heresy, this false teaching has been known as modalism, and it, it teaches that 
God is one substance, but we, he appears in three different modes. He shows himself in three, three different ways. He, yet this violates what Scripture says, that, that they showed up as, as three distinct persons. They, they, they were not the same. They, they were distinct from one another, yet they were still uh, one God. You might remember Jesus' baptism as the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are all there, and they're distinct from one another. Here's another analogy. Some have said, okay, uh, God is, the triune God is like the, the sun, okay? So the, the, the sun in the sky, S-U-N. So God the Father is the sun, and light and heat are like the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus, right? They, they come off from the Father. They, they emanate from the, the Father. Yet, you know, you kind of maybe can see how that analogy limps a little bit too, it places the, the sun, the actual sun, as, as kind of of higher importance. If the sun didn't exist, well, then the light and the heat wouldn't exist either. So, so God the Father is, is of a higher level than, than the sun and the spirit, according to that analogy, which we know from Scripture to be untrue, that they're all equally God and, and fully God as well. Here's a, a third analogy um, for our uh, uh, it came maybe out of the Irish church. They, they, get, they get blamed for this. But the, the three-leaf clover, um, that, that God's kind of like that. that. That each person of the Trinity is one-third God, and mathematically that works pretty well, right? If you add one-third by one-third by one-third, um, to the best of my knowledge, that equals one, right? Uh, the partialism, they, they call that. And so, okay, analogies done, school, school lesson over here, there's probably a million more analogies that people have tried to make about the, the Trinity, but they all, they all fail. Uh, they all fail because we, we don't have words for this. It's not so easy to put the, the concept of the Trinity into words because God is even above and, and beyond our ability to describe him, uh, our language. But we can't describe him. It's not easy to put him into words because he's so far above our our understanding. So we can only say as much as Scripture says, that, that he is a three-in-one God, three distinct persons, yet still one God. And, and even that, we sit and we, we can't wrap our heads around. Now, now, I think there's maybe two natural, sinful human reactions to when something is, is far beyond our understanding. N- not just true with the Trinity, certainly true with the Trinity, but uh, true with, with other things as well. And, and to illustrate the first response, I want you to maybe think back to your, your days in school. Um, as you were going through school, did you have a subject in school that you, you just didn't like? One that kind of comes to mind right away. You're like, I, I just did not like that subject. And it wasn't just because you had a, a bad teacher for one year. It was just one that never seemed to click with you for some reason. Your, your brain just did not work that way. Um, it, for me, that, that was science. I never had much interest in, in science. I wasn't good at it. I, I really just didn't understand it. Math, math I got. I, I could understand math. Uh, science, I, I could not get at all. And so maybe you're a little bit like, like me, that the reason I didn't like it, the reason I, I tried to avoid any, when I, I got to pick my classes, the reason I tried to avoid science any chance I, I could get is because I didn't understand it. I wonder if we kind of treat God like this as well. That because we can't wrap our head around him, because we can't understand some things about him, we shy away from him. Which could be true in regard to the Trinity, but it could be true in regard to anything about God. 
It could be true in, in regard to anything that he teaches us from his word. It could be true about how we perceive him in our world. Why is he doing the things that he's doing in, in my life? Why is he allowing these things to happen to me? I don't understand it. And because I don't understand it, I, I either reject him or run away from him. It's either an act of arrogance or cowardice. Maybe I, I reject him in arrogance because, you know, I ought to be able to understand just about everything, right? And so if I can't understand something, or if something doesn't seem quite right to me as God is presenting himself to me, well, then it couldn't possibly be true. Because, of course, I, I'm smarter than God, right? Or we, we maybe run away from him in, in cowardice because we're unwilling to confront something that is so much bigger than us, that is so far beyond our understanding. Maybe that's actually two sides of the same coin, right? That's maybe one response to, to understanding the magnitude of God when we're confronted with the magnitude of, of God. Here's maybe another. Maybe knowingly or unknowingly, we shrink God down to our level. Because if I can reduce him down to my, to my level, to the level of fallen mankind, well, okay, then I can maybe wrap my, my head around God. If I can reduce him down to my level, well, then I can hide from him. You know, when, when my sins are really troubling me and I want to kind of hide them from the world, if I reduce God down a little bit, well, then he's not going to be able to see those, right? I can hide from him. Or uh, I can manipulate him to, to my own ends. Or I can offer him something. If we reduce God down, maybe we could do some of these things. So, so maybe there's two responses, general responses to being confronted with the magnitude of God, we, we either push him away, whether that's running away or, re, or, uh, or rejecting him, or we, we shrink him down. But there's sadness that comes along with both of those things. Because we come to, we come to realize that when we minimize our God, when, when we shrink him down, we in turn shrink down his blessings as well. There's, actually, there's a correlation there between the magnitude of God and the magnitude of, of his, his blessings. When I sinfully react to his, his magnitude, how big he is, the blessings of God become just what I can see around me. Which means the blessings of God become limited and reduced to whatever's earthly because that's all I can understand and that's all I can conceptualize is just this, this world. Yet there's a, tra a tragedy in that because God, God came to do way more than to bless you earth, in earthly means, to, to bless you with things that you could see. He came to bless you eternally. He came to get, bring you heavenly blessings. And so you come to realize that having a God that's beyond your understanding, having a God that is so much bigger than you, is actually a, a great thing. It's okay to, to not be able to understand the, the Trinity perfectly. In fact, it's a remarkable blessing that God is exactly how he reveals himself to be in his word. Because if he is bigger than we can possibly imagine and beyond all comprehension for us, and he is as loving as he says he is in his word, <laughs> that's a pretty wonderful combination. Because he has all the power in the world to love you and show love to you. That's how he's revealed himself. He revealed himself to, to the Israelites pretty early like this. Even earlier than this, but he, here's a very clear passage from uh, Exodus 34 here. He says, 
The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. That's who your all-powerful triune God has revealed himself to be, a God of power and a God who acts in love for you. So, even if you can't wrap your mind around the Trinity, even if you don't know why God's doing certain things in your life, or you just don't understand certain ways that he, he's expressed himself in, in his word, he's, you can trust that he is working in love for you in ways that you cannot piece together on your own. <laughs> that the good that he has planned for you in your life is better than anything that you could have come up with on your own. And you can trust that the blessings of, of the triune God, whether they appear this way or not, they are exactly proportionate to his greatness, his vastness, and his power. So that is all lead up. That's all lead up to our text for today. So that you can fully appreciate what God, the comfort that God is intending to give you today. So you can understand the magnitude of the blessing he's trying to shower on you today. As he, he brings to you his blessing and puts his name on you in the book of Numbers here. Listen, let's just listen to the text again. We all know it pretty well. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. You hear that almost every service. It's a blessing that's been spoken over God's people for thousands and thousands of years. Starting with Aaron and the priests, they would speak this blessing over the people. Now pastors speak this blessing over the people. But even though it's, it was the priest or the pastor speaking the blessing, this is your triune God giving you his blessing. Um, this, if you look at verse 27, he says, And I will bless them. The pastor's saying, the priest is saying, but it is God that is bringing his blessing. And when God brings his blessing and puts his name on you, you get all the blessings that come with that name. The, prote the protection, the, the provision of the Father, the, the salvation, the, the intercession, and the forgiveness of the Son, the guidance and the, the growth of the Holy Spirit, just to name a few. God intends to bring his blessing to you. And even though that blessing is spoken to you as a group of people, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people here that, that are hearing the words of that blessing. Something I want to bring out for you from this text is that when God says the Lord bless you and keep you, that you is singular. It's, it's personal. That means that blessing is not just for the group of you, but it's for you personally. That God intends to, to bless you um, eternally with all of his heavy, heavenly blessings. That, that he intends to bless you in this life as well. I, I get it. We get to that point of the, the service and it's, it's the sign of the end, right? Uh, the, the kids are starting to get a little antsy at that, that point. We know the last hymn's coming and we get to get back over to the coffee soon. But, but don't take it for granted. Don't rush past it, even though it's a small 
small part of the service because here God wants to give you his blessing. And a blessing of this magnitude from the magnitude of this God is not one that you're going to want to pass up. Amen. Hi there, this is Pastor Wilkie. Thanks for listening to this sermon. And if you'd like to, to help us get the word out there and, and get this message to more people more often, we'd love if you hit subscribe um, on, your, on wherever you listen to, to podcasts. And if you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.shirtchurch.com. Take care and God bless.